When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The, the USA, as we go across the, uh, the country, you'll be able to listen to the results and interviews and great coverage, as always, by the 50,000-watt blowtorch. And that is, of course, our sister station, and it's a mighty one. It's been around for so long. And that's WHO, News Radio uh, 1040 WHO. Did you know that Ronald Reagan was the, uh, the sports director there at WHO? He handed it off to Jim Zobel. Jim Zobel held on to it for almost a thousand years. It was just almost, shy. Yeah. But uh, he was well, my buddy. He was really good. Since before electricity, even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I got to, uh, then Mike Newell got to do some. I did. And I'm trying to think who some of the other guys were. But Jack ran the board and still does in many cases for so many shows. But Jack, you've seen the political coverage uh, really not change that much. It's about the same type of coverage every year. It is. This, this year, I think we're going to be here later than we were. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. How many seats are open in the House, for example? Yeah. Holy cow. And right now, the last time I looked, the Democrats had gone up two seats. And, and they the, need and four. The, and the Republicans, no, they need 23. Oh. And the Republicans had picked up, uh, had flipped two Senate seats. When you say flip, what do you mean? Uh, went from the, the Democrat to the Republican. Okay, that's a good flip. I'll put my cap on this bottle and flip it. There you go. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. We're having a little bit of fun. Uh, we had a guest that was what we call a no-show in the business, Cooper Webb. We will uh, do our best to bring him on next week or the week after, and we uh, we hope you know that uh, you know programs like this evolve uh, over the time, and we want to make sure you know that, and we care about you, and, and we want to put that out there. Evolve by the minute. But sometimes by the second. Yeah, literally. Weird. All right, uh, with the introduction of our next guest. So it looks like uh, he seems to be a friend of Chris Parrish's, his dude, as he referred to him. Uh, Jason Madama, right? Madama? Madama. Jason? No, nah, Madama. Madama. Gosh, dang it. I know. Sorry, man. Sorry. Chris pulled our legs then because yeah. I think he mispronounced you can, it. Too, you yeah. can yeah. pronounce our good buddy yeah. over here. You can pronounce it Ramon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of people pronounce my name really weird, my last name, so I get Avila. it. Avila. Yeah. So, Jason, let's talk about this. We just had Chris on. I don't know if you listened to any of the uh, program, but uh, first yeah, year. Uh, right when Chris got on. Uh, this is the first time I've ever actually heard you guys. So, uh, what? Invite, by the way. Oh, no. Thank you for coming on. And it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, sponsor reel. Let's go. Um, anyway, uh, so you listen to that conversation with Chris. Uh, what do you got to add? And, and, and how do you think this first year with Motor America went? 
I thought it was a blast, man. I, uh, I, I came in here kind of unexpectedly doing better than I thought. Um, I got the call from Andy about the opportunity to ride the Altus bike and, um, I was thrilled. I mean, it's a bunch of tracks I've never seen and a bike I've never ridden with a bunch of guys I've never ridden against. And I had an absolute blast. I mean, I, I loved the, you know, the atmosphere in Moto America is amazing. And obviously riding, um, on a premier circuit, you know, an AMA or a FIM sanctioned club is awesome and getting all the publicity and all the attention is, it's really, really cool. So it was, it was a blast. I mean, I, I, you know, grew up club racing and never had all this exposure. And so it's made it, made it really fun. I mean, it's been a hoot. Jason Madama, our guest, Jason, you finished three, three points, uh, three points away. You lost it by three points, but taking second is, especially in this particular class, um, difficult at best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I made a couple pretty big mistakes throughout the year, which cost me some points. And, uh, at the end of the year, we had a pretty good comeback and I thought there was a good chance we just kind of showed up to Barber a little unprepared and, and, uh, I kind of just rode crappy and I can't really, you know, place the blame on anybody. It was, it was a deep field, a bunch of guys uh, that have been at that track a lot. And, um, I mean, I had, I had a great time. Not gonna, not gonna, you know, down, downplay it, but it, it, I just wasn't really ready. I kind of wish I had a little bit more time and I, I rode a couple different bikes throughout the year. And so, being able to be on the same equipment all year would be nice so that I could have a decent setup for everything. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, you know, to finish third or second, second. sorry, by three points, right? Three. Exactly. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. uh, that's a pretty phenomenal feat. And I think uh, you deserve a lot more credit than, than what you're actually trying to take yeah, here. Yeah, and, and not to mention, Tony, he rode two different bikes. That's it. Yeah, and I mean. Three. We that, rode three. Well, three. three. Sorry, three. Wow, we're really three points. This up. It cost you a point can't for every bike. Holy can't cow. pronounce your name right. <laughs> can't figure out how many bikes you rode. You sure you want to be on our show? We, we're lucky. It's a track. I understand. We, it, <laughs> but hey, but you got you got three first place finishes though. Still, you got three wins. Yeah, I mean, hell, that's expected too, which is kind of funny. I I thought for sure I'd be better at Utah, and I. I kind of crapped the bed. Uh, we had some setup issues, and I couldn't, you know, the first FT1, my bike wouldn't even run. And so I came, I, I came to Utah expecting high hopes and left in the, <laughs> not in the back of the ambulance, but I went home covered in dirt. So That's always frustrating. Well, it's always fun getting all that dirt washed out, <laughs> man. That's a refreshing shower. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's what he was thinking when he was washing all the dirt off. <laughs> Syndicate AP Moto Arts. Who are they to you? Uh, you know, Andy built the bikes. Um, he helped me throughout the year, which is really cool. Uh, Syndicate's my team. We, When we started club racing back in the day, we wanted to step up our game. So we, you know, we painted our bikes to match and we wanted to have a team name. And we kind of thought Syndicate was a cool sounding name. And I never thought it would go as far as it did. I mean, that was 15 years ago. I started racing in 2003. Um, and now Syndicate's kind of a well-known name throughout the motorcycle industry. There's a handful of riders that ride for my team in California and Utah and a couple other places across the country. So it's, it's, it's come a long way, man. It's pretty cool. Are you doing, are you doing t-shirts and hats and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. We did all that. We did t-shirts and hats and stickers and logos and 
Syndicate's kind of my graphics company too. I design uh, livery for bikes and do logos for riders. And so Syndicate's uh, not only just racing, but it's kind of my design thing too. So, so let's go for a shameless plug here, Jason. Nailed what, it. Yeah. What? How do we find you? How do we? How do people? that are interested in in your other business ventures find what you do that's funny i kind of i turn down more people than i accept i am really picky about the work that i do uh, I, I like to do like i said i wrap bikes i do vinyl graph and graphic i really like doing more i do more i have a, a pang galley coming in next week that we're doing like a gp18 replica race kit on and wow. i kind of like doing more of the high-end stuff you know it's not only is it more lucrative, but I kind of had more fun doing it. Um, but as you know, as far as like finding me, I mean, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. Most people know when they see my bikes. I've always had pretty cool looking bikes, and so people ask who did it, and then I would say I did it. I don't really do a whole lot of advertising. Like I said, I'll, I'll turn down more people than I accept just because I I prefer to do more higher end stuff. So you can see the brush strokes on Evil Knievel's helmets. Okay. I actually held one in my hands in in Davenport. Is that a bad thing? Well, yeah, because I think you get a more quality finish, a more uniform look with a wrap. How difficult is it to wrap a helmet or a tank, for example? It's a pain in the ass, man. I mean, you have to be able to hold it. That's one thing. So when people ask me to do graphics for bikes, sometimes they're like, oh, can I drop off the bodywork? And most of the time I'll tell them, no, I need the whole bike because I like to – I do most of the stuff by hand, too. I don't – I mean, I do digitally print some stuff, but I like to line up, you know, graphics across the bodywork while it's mounted on the bike. And you can't really wrap a helmet or a tank sitting on the ground, especially by yourself, because it's curved and it moves around. So you have to, you have to keep it, you know, steady. So I like to, I like to get the whole bike when it when it shows up. It's a lot easier. You do cars and trucks too? No. Oh. <laughs> That's a I'm a square no. body GM man. I need a wrap. <laughs> No, I mean, I race motorcycles. I like doing the motorcycle thing. I've always been. I, I, it's funny because I started wrapping my bike back in you know, 2003, 2004, uh, and it came out really, really good, and everyone was really impressed with what I did, and, and so that's how it kind of started. I People were like, damn, your bike looks really good. Uh, you want to do mine? You want to do mine? And it's it kind of gone from there. I mean, that's not what I do for a living fully. It's just kind of more like what I do for fun. So... so- I, I'm sure you, you've probably uh, uh, talked to other people in the industry, and, and they have actual graphic artists that, that are in the studio d- doing that work daily. Uh, how did you get your training? I actually went to college for it. I went to the Art Institute of Colorado. Um, I got an illustration degree and a graphic design degree, and I worked um, at a graphic design company for a handful of years and did a bunch of freelance design work for bigger companies and so that's what I went to college for. And it was called what again? Uh, the Colorado Institute of Art. Isn't that the one that's at the back of the magazines where if you can draw the little baby deer and then you send it in? Oh, no. no, that's the school my <laughs> sister went to in Minneapolis, the Minneapolis School of Art and Design. Yeah. Ah. I think that's exactly what it was. Hmm. Yeah. The art institutes are all across the country. I know there's a handful of them all across the country, Texas and California and Arizona and Colorado has one. So... Well, Apparently Minnesota too. We're we're, we're going to blame Cooper Webb for making us run late <laughs> to the break. Sure. So Jason, um, real quick, sponsor role. It's important to you. We're going to hit that break. What was that? Again? 
if you got a sponsor role, you can read off. We've got to go to break. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, I mean, I'd really like to thank Brent, Le- Brent Legrange. She, uh, Conquest CBD, that was my big financial sponsor this year. They fit the bill for a lot of the stuff that we did. Uh, Scorpion Helmets hooked me up with helmets all year. I smashed a couple of them, so it's pretty cool of them to keep sending them to me. Uh, Jan Man Leathers, I work directly with them. I'm their designer, so I design a lot of their suits, and they gave me a handful of suits this season. Um, Spy Optics, uh, the Alter Bridal, uh, which is our company. Uh, AP Motor Arts obviously built my bike. I'd also like to thank Altus. I mean, the first half of the season I rode for Altus, and we had a lot of fun, and they're they're really cool. And uh, you know, like I said, I kind of I kind of wish I would have stuck with one single motorcycle for the whole year. I think that kind of would have been a lot better than bouncing from bike to bike to bike. And I'm hoping next year I'll show up with a, a more dialed program and more you know confidence in the tracks I'm going to, and just a little bit more familiar with how the Moto America scene goes and all the people. And but I think next year I should be a little bit better than i did this year so that's the plan anyways hey uh real quick jason we i talked to uh chris a little bit off air um he's got a lot of things coming up at you know over the winter time hopefully we can hook up again uh maybe the beginning of the year and uh bring some light to your new program yeah, for sure. Planning on testing in Chuck Wall in January. Um, in the process of building a new bike right now. Uh, it's not very far along. I'm still waiting for a bunch of parts, so hopefully they all come together and we can get it uh, together by January so I can go test out CDMA and get my chassis and setup dialed and come back next year stronger than I did this year. So We're going to take it to break. Jason, thanks again. Best to everybody in your camp. We'll look forward to having you on. Yeah, thanks for the invite, guys. See you soon. For uh, uh, for Roman Avila, for Tony Tice, thank you for coming in. It's always good to see you. Glad you're up and walking around and back in the shop, changing on some brakes today. Good job out of you. Uh, just bleeding them. Oh, bleeding them. <laughs> That's what happens when you leave. They get too much blood. Yeah. In. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back after this. This is Pit Pass. Hey, this is Jake Holden. Watch out for the Jakeosaurus, number 59. It's Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.